0: Don't think Brother Michael will mind me (coughs) sharing this with you. He texted me as they all came up on the platform. Where are you at, Brother Michael? Is he in here tonight? Uh, He's over here. Brother Michael texted me while I was up on the platform, and he says, good luck following that. And uh, I don't think there is any following that, amen? We're going to do the best we can, but thank you, young people, for that. Well, what a blessing that was, amen? Uh, I honestly do believe it's getting down in there. And, uh, you know, I hope they sound good. Boy, they do sound good. And I'm thankful for those that work with them. Uh, But, boy, it sounds good when you can tell when it's coming from here out of the abundance of their heart. Boy, that's our prayer, that that gets down in there and that we continually and steadily turn out young people that go on, not just to impact Hattiesburg, but as hard as it will be to see some of them go, boy, wouldn't it be great, God calls some of our young people to the mission field to be used of him and called around the country, maybe to go pastor and serve in different ministries. And what a blessing that'd be that we turn out some folks that would do just that. And it starts when they're young, amen? They need to know that God might call them God gets missionaries from somewhere and preachers from somewhere and servants from somewhere. And uh, I'd like for God to kind of look at Central Baptist Church in Hattiesburg first. Amen. I'd like for him to know he can get some good ones out of here. And that begins with us working with them from their young, and but John and Stacy doing a great job with that. Our Sunday school teachers, Ms. Kim, and folks working in their music. Thank you for investing in our kids, investing in our church. Uh, tonight we're going to talk about the church just a little bit, and I'm uh, going to take a different approach in the message tonight. I'm going to set up something I'm going to preach next week. And so tonight's kind of an introduction to that, something has been on my heart for months and months, maybe over a year now. And going to introduce it a little bit tonight and really start preaching it next Sunday night. So if you have your Bibles, I want to go ahead and open them to the New Testament, Galatians chapter 5, <clears throat> Galatians chapter 6 as well. Galatians chapter 5, chapter 6. Thank you for the great spirit today. It's always encouraging to come and feel like the spirit is allowed to flow and move and is not quenched. Amen. We can all do that, and I appreciate it when you don't. And allows me to have a lot more liberty. Uh, There are times, I'll be honest with you, in every pulpit I think I've ever preached in, there have been times you get up there and you just feel like the Spirit's kind of locked up a little bit, Uh, feel like it's quenched for some reason or another, and uh, sometimes, to be honest, it may be me, I don't know, Uh, sometimes I think we're all honest, we admit that maybe it's you from time to time, Uh, but boy, it's great when you get behind the pulpit and you tell the Spirit's not quenched. And the spirit's allowed to work and move. And uh, those times, I tell you, when it is quenched, uh, you just want to come down. You want to finish and come down and go home. What a blessing it is when it's not. And appreciate you bringing a good spirit to church. Galatians six. If you're there, let's stand together tonight. Going to pick up in verse one. Begin reading down to about verse ten. That way, we'll give you ten verses to stretch your legs, uh, get out your wiggles. Amen. Don't get too comfortable. I don't want you going to sleep. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, the Bible says, "...brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one, in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ." For a man think himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. What a great reminder there. Verse 4, But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden. Let him that is taught in the work communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap." For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Uh, and let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Now, believe it or not, our key text tonight is verse 10. The Bible says, as we therefore, as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Notice those last few words. The Bible says, who are of the household of faith. We're going to talk about that for a few minutes tonight to introduce something we're going to preach on next week. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Uh, Lord, I trust in it tonight and I trust in you to do the work that you desire in the message. Uh, Lord, I know that I am nothing, Lord, and outside of you, nothing will happen here tonight. So I pray, Father, for your power, for your feeling, for your liberty tonight. Help us open our hearts, receive what you have sent. Help me to say what needs to be said in a way, Lord, that is easy to understand and pleasing to you. I pray you'd help us during the invitation time to respond however you may lead. Lord, once again, be with those, Lord, in the hospital, those grieving tonight, those difficult times. Give grace, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, I'm sure we've read through Galatians 5, Galatians 6, as we read through the Bible throughout each year uh, together as a church, and I'm not going to take the time to go through the entire uh, books in the book, or chapters of the book of Galatians, but uh, as you read through this, I don't know how you read and how you see things, uh, but I always notice common denominators, and I pick up uh, repetitive themes throughout uh, books and throughout chapters and Throughout chapter 5 and chapter 6, there's a continuous theme sprinkled in those chapters that really concerns others. Okay, I'll show you here just for a few moments, Uh, chapter 5, if you would look down to verse number 13, uh, the last part of verse 5, the Bible says, uh, by love serve one another. So there's that others theme that is there. Uh, We see in verse 14, the Bible says that thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There's others once again being repeated there. Uh, If you look down to verse 26, the Bible says, let us not be desirous of vain glory, Provoking one another, envying one another. Notice that others theme there, chapter 5. Then we go into verse chapter 6. We look at verse number 1. The Bible says, If a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one. That's another one that God has allowed to be in our path or to be in in our fellowship. Verse 2, the Bible says, Bear ye one another's burdens. And then finally, we get down to verse number 10. And we see in verse number 10, the Bible says that we are to do good unto all men, that's others, especially them who are of the household of faith. Now, as these theme of others kick in, I want you to notice specifically a group of others that the Bible gives us in verse number 10. The Bible says, do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Now, it's vital that we understand how God wants us to review or to view our relationship that we have as a body of believers with one another. Notice what he calls us. He calls us the household of faith. Now, I want you to get that tonight. Let that thought stick in your mind as we speak to the church, as we speak to Central Baptist Church. The Bible says that we are a household of faith. Now, here's something I think is true tonight Sometimes I think we do well in acknowledging that as a child of God, we all have a heavenly father, all right? It's easy to acknowledge that, that we all have a heavenly father. But the area I think that we don't do too well in, and the area that I think we really forget sometimes, is that if God is our father, we have spiritual siblings, all right? Now, it's easy to talk about our father, God, our father in heaven, and he's my father because I'm saved. If you're saved, he's your father, but if he's our father, that means we are spiritual siblings. Sometimes we forget about that. We're not just fellow members here of a body. We're not just fellow members of the church. I mean, the Kiwanis Club, they have members. The Chamber of Commerce, they have members. Uh, and your hunting club, it has members. Amen? But we're different than that. The Bible says that we are part of a household of faith. We're not just members together of a church. We are part of a family family. Of faith. Okay, now this is very important. Why? Because tonight we're going to introduce something very simple. We're going to walk through an introduction that next week we're going to start preaching on this subject of the family of our faith. And that's what tonight we're going to begin looking at, the family of our faith. We're not just fellow church members. We are part of a household of faith. And sometimes I I believe we forget how God would have us treat one another. And I believe it's vitally important that we strengthen the heart of our church by helping us understand what God says about this family of faith that we are in. Now, here's what we're going to do tonight. I'm going to give you two what's, okay? Two what's of what God says we are And then I'm going to give you one how, okay? Two what's in one how out of verse number 10 about this subject of the faith of our family. God says we're part of a household of faith. Now watch what verse 10 says. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Now, we need tonight to understand how God says our relationship is supposed to be, okay? Sometimes we have a business-like relationship within the church when the Bible says we are a family. As a matter of fact, not only are we a family here at Central Baptist Church, but we are of the household of faith, which means our family ties as a child of God are not going to be broken on this lifetime. They carry on through eternity, So we are part of an earthly body of believers, the family of God, the household of faith here, but that family tie is so strong through the blood of Christ that it carries on throughout all of eternity. Now the sad thing is, oftentimes, I'm just going to be honest with you, Sunday night crowd, I'm talking to our church, okay, talking to our church family. Sometimes I don't believe that family relationship that should be there is there. All right. I'm not saying we hate each other. I don't think we do as far as I know. I know it's college football season. We're just going to let that one lie. Amen. We get through the fall onto the new year. We'll be saved. But the Bible says we're a family. And sometimes I believe we forget that. Yes, he's our father. But if you're saved, you're in the household of faith. You are my brother and sister in Christ. But sometimes we don't treat each other as such. Now, if there was ever a time that the household of faith needed to act like family, I want you to know it's right now. You need your family right now, all right? Now, you may not have an earthly family that's close, that you have family ties with, family bonds with. Now, look, to be honest with you, I think sometimes we even exaggerate the family ties we say we have. Facebook makes it look like we're all the Waltons, doesn't it? You know, good night, so-and-so, good night, so-and-so. You know, I, I didn't watch much of the show growing up. Just wasn't one of mine, you know. Andy Griffith was my thing. Didn't really watch a whole lot of the Waltons, but we just, we say, well, I don't have that type of family. To be honest with you, most people really don't. We put a, our best foot forward out there, but we're not all as close as maybe we want to be sometimes or close as we need to be. But as the church, the household of faith, I do believe we need to learn how to be a closer body of believers that during these times we're living in, these extraordinary times we're living in, we could be a close-knit family that leans upon each other. Now, notice what it says. I'm going to give you two what's first, what God says about the family that we are supposed to be one toward another. The Bible says to do good unto all men, especially those that are the household of faith. Now, notice two words, if you will, those words, do good. Do good. Now, this is important you notice this. The charge and the challenge uh, that Paul is giving the church at Galatia here is showing that our family relationship should be our first point tonight, an active relationship. He says we are to do good especially to those of the household of faith. A family is an active relationship, okay? Now, here's something that's kind of sad, to be honest with you. It's sad to think that there may be some of us in this room that have not taken the time to get to know other people in this room, okay? I'm just being honest. Don't you know everybody in your family? Yeah, you get to know them, right, because they're in your family. You go to a family reunion, you may not know them like you want to know them, but at least you know who they are, amen? I mean, it's nice to have a face to go with the name when you mail that Christmas card, right? Uh, You know who they are. Family gets to know one another, but it's not just that. Notice what he says about this family relationship we have. He says that it's an active relationship. Now, folks, get this tonight. I'm afraid sometimes we treat one another more like relatives than family. Let that sink in just for a minute, okay? We treat one another more like relatives than we do family. You say, what's the difference? Well, I'm going to give you the Jeremiah Andrews definition of relative and family. You don't have to agree with it because it's just me coming up with it, but I think it's going to make sense to you today, okay? A relative is someone you have a casual relationship that is cultivated by chance, okay? Okay? A relative is someone that you have a casual relationship that is cultivated by chance. You say, what do you mean? There's a lot of people that I'm related to. I don't spend time with them. I don't make plans with them. I don't make it a point to really go out of my way to send them Christmas cards. You're thinking, you are a horrible human. I'm just being honest with you, okay? I'm related to a lot of people, all right? Now, if I see them in Walmart. I'm going to stop and visit with them. Hey, good to see you, man. Yeah, It's been a while. How's your mom and all that? What's your kid's name again? Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that. And, you know, they graduated. They got married, things like that. And so the relationship of a relative is a casual relationship that happens by chance. All right? The chance encounter that I see them somewhere, that's what a relative is. But think about a family. Here's my definition of family. A family is a close relationship that is cultivated by choice, okay? A relative is a casual relationship that is cultivated by chance, but family is a committed relationship or a close relationship that is cultivated by choice, That means because they're my family, I'm going to make it a point to spend time with them. They're my family, therefore I'm going to make it a point to find out when their birthday is. I'm going to find out about their children if I heard they were sick. If I heard they lost their job, I'm going to ask them about that. Hey, is there anything I can do with you? Now, the Bible says we're not just relatives. We are part of a family. We are part of the household of faith. And sometimes it's sad to say As a church grows, we grow out of that family relationship, and we grow into that relative relationship. Can I tell you, in 2022, Central Baptist Church has got to be a church family. We cannot just be a group of relatives that pass each other in the night. No, we've got to be a close family that has a close relationship by choice. I'll give you an example. I walked into our guest bedroom the other day, and there on the—well, I can't say this by the pulpit because they may be watching tonight. There on the floor was all of these brand new toys in their packages. And uh, I asked my wife, I said, hey, what is all those toys? She know, oh, can I play with one? And she says, that's all of our, our nieces and nephews' Christmas present. She's on the ball this year. And uh, hey, if the Lord comes back before Christmas, you are welcome to go over there and get all that you want, okay? Uh, and if you want to go over there and get all you want, we need to talk after the service because I want to make sure you're going with me. Amen? My wife said, I've got this one, and I've got that one, this, and that one, this, and that one, this, and that one, this. You see, we've already taken care of Christmas for our family. That's our family. Now, I, look, look, I love my second cousins, third cousins, fourth cousins. Hey, this is Mississippi. We got fifth cousins. You know, it may be your fifth cousin and, and your brother-in-law. You just never know how things work here in the South. But, you know, I'm just being honest with you. I don't have their address. I haven't taken the time to get to know their, their, their phone number. Why? Because they're, they're, they're relatives, but I don't have that close family relationship. Can I tell you, my burden as as our pastor here at Central Baptist Church is that we wouldn't just be a church of relatives, but that we'd be a church family where we make it a point on purpose to get to know one another in a relationship that is cultivated by choice. Can I tell you something tonight? We're not just related, we're part of a family, and that's the family of God. Think about that tonight. What does the Bible say in John? John 1:12. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Hey, that's daughters of God too, okay? You get to be in the family too, ladies. Isn't that wonderful? The Bible says we're all part of the family of God, but sometimes we don't act like family. Now, folks, I'm just being honest with you tonight. Uh, I visit with folks throughout the week, inviting them to come be a part of our church. Can I tell you what I tell them? I say, it's a great family to be a part of. Not just the family of God, but the family here at Central Baptist Church. But I want you to know that's not going to stay that way by accident. It's got to be a relationship, a close relationship, that's cultivated by choice. Means you see somebody in this room that you've never talked to before, go talk to them. Go talk to them. Introduce yourself to them, all right? I'm going to get ahead of myself here, but look. And if somebody comes and introduces themselves to you, can I tell you something you don't do, all right? Don't tell them you've been here for 50 years, all right? Because they're just trying to get to know you, and they don't know who you are, whether you've been here 50 minutes or 50 years. They hey, good to see you. Hey, don't take it personally. Why? They're just wanting to be part of the family. And hey, what a great spirit that we have here that we've got to maintain here by remembering what God said. What did he say? You're part of a household of faith. And to do good... That means we are actively participating in each other's lives. Here's the problem. Often instead of being in an active relationship with one another, we're in a reactive relationship with one another. Now, I know this is a little bit of teachy-preachy, but we got to get this tonight, okay? This involves our church body being unified together, all right? And as our family grows, we need to make sure that the family that we already have is close, amen? That we're not just relatives here. We are family here. We know each other, and we're actively involved doing good in each other's lives. Here's the problem. We've heard this story before, but boy, it's a good one. Everybody's waiting on somebody to do what anybody could do but Nobody ever does it. Everybody's waiting on somebody. I'm waiting on you to come introduce yourself to me. No. Hey, you're too do good. That's being proactive, not reactive. Do good. Look around the room. Find somebody you've never met before. They may have been here for 30 years. Don't worry about it. Go to them. Hey, my name is so-and-so. Nice to meet you. Glad to have you here. Are we related? Yeah. Oh, hey, isn't it great to be part of this family? That's what doing good means. I am actively involved in having a relationship with you, and it's not by chance, it is by choice. 1 John 3, verse 1. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. The sons of God. I I get to be called the sons of God. We are children of God. We are part of one great family. I want you to know something. Hey, that's a close family. It ought to be a close family. Being part of the family of God, the household of faith, family is an active relationship. I'll uh, give you something here, boy, just some great verses tonight as the Lord began to work in my heart as we developed this over the last few weeks and months. Uh, Acts chapter 4, you read about this early church, this early church family. I want you to read what they were doing for one another. Acts chapter 4, verse 34, neither was there any among them that lacked. Why? Because they were all rich? No. For as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them, and brought the prices of the things that were sold, and laid them down at the apostles' feet, and distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. So one folks in the family says, hey, there's folks over here in the family, they don't don't have what they need, all right? Now, we're not talking about Corvettes here, and we're not talking about Ferraris, we're not talking about mansions, and we're not talking about, you know, the the newest Sea-Doo jet skis and all that. Look, here's what we're talking about, genuine needs. And they were willing to go and to sell what they had to make sure the needs were met over here. Now, here's what I'm wondering. How did they know they had needs? They were active in each other's life, active in each other's life. Here's this early church. I believe one of the cornerstones of this early church, what made them such a wonderful, useful body of believers was the fact they weren't just relatives, they were family. They were actively involved in each other's life. Now, folks, I don't know tonight how many of us have physical needs as far as houses and uh, vehicles. I don't know that that's the biggest need, but you know, people always have some type of need. A lot of them are needs of the heart. People are bearing burdens. Just today, one of our members called me to the hospital, ran to the hospital. I had a family, close, close family friend, about to go home and meet the Lord. I had never met this gentleman before, but hey, that person had a need. They're part of my family. I don't do that because I'm, uh, this is my job, is their pastor? No, that's part of my family. Can I ask you something? If a member in your family had that great of a need that someone was passed away, wouldn't you try to go and be there? That's what family does, right? I don't know how many times I've had a need in my life. Uh, my mom, my dad, my brother, my sister, boom, we just come together. We rally together. I'll never forget my mom when she was put in the hospital almost 20 years ago. <clears throat> Over 30 days, she was in the hospital. And uh, boy, that was a long, long uh, ordeal. I thought we was going to lose my mom? Doctors said we might lose her within a year. Lymphoma cancer is what first said, and we didn't know. And I remember as we sat there in that, that corner room there at Fort Central Hospital, mom and dad. Dad never left the hospital for 30 days, spent time with mom. Our family from around the country came in. <poof> My aunt came and lived with us. She helped us plot the scheme to this plot that we had to remodel the house while mom and dad were in the hospital. We got dad's credit card. That was fun. <laughs> we really did ask him about it. Got their credit card, went to Lowe's. I know how the government feels now, spending other people's money. It's a rush. I mean, we had rows of buggies. We're just, yeah, give me some of that. Hey, no, 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 I don't want that watered-down paint. I want that bear paint that I saw in the commercial. I want the good stuff. Hey, my mom's in the hospital. She's going to be getting out, and I want her to come home, and we've just surprised her by remodeling the house. She was surprised. I don't know if it was all good surprise, but she was surprised. My aunts, there are helping us paint and remodel. We're putting down flooring and painting the sheetrock and all these things in the house. And, man, we had my grandfather come in. And my grandfather says, look, I got a friend in Florida. And if uh, she can't get help here. He's got a helicopter, a private helicopter. We're going to load her on that helicopter. We're flying her up to Michigan to this cancer treatment center. And we're going to make sure she gets the help she needed. It was amazing that in our hour of need, man, family showed up. And we're like, what do we need to do? And I was like, wow, that's what family does. That's what family does. They have their, 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 they don't, you don't have to tell them what the needs are. You have such a close relationship, they're going to know what the needs are. They're going to keep their ears open, their eyes open, and they're listening for the needs. That's what we've got to do as a church. We've got to be that close. You say, well, I don't know them very well. We'll get to know them. They're part of the family. You're going to spend eternity with them. You say, well, they're weird. Eternity's a long, long time. Everybody's got weird people in their family. You, You are probably the weird person in your family. But hey, amen, Brother Richard. I just love people that are honest, don't you? Hey, they're part of the family. We need to treat them like part of the family. That's what the Bible says. Do good unto all men. That's an active relationship. I was reading in Nehemiah 4 just today. They're building this wall, and boy, here come the creepers in the community, sandballad and Geshem and Tobiah, and oh, they're causing them trouble. What did they do? I love this. Nehemiah chapter 4, therefore set I in the lower places behind the wall. <laughs> I love this. It's kind of like a, an ambush going on here. And on the higher places, I even set the people, listen close, after their families. So here they are working on the wall, and he puts some folks over in these secure areas after their families with their swords, their spears, and their bows. What you reckon they're going to do with them? What you reckon they're doing with the swords and the spears and the bows? i tell you what they're going to do. They're going to look after their family. That's what they're doing hey, my family's over here working on the wall and there's these community creeps that keep coming around and bothering us and hey, we're going to hide over here behind the wall and they're not going to get a hold of our family. Hey, that's how we ought to be. We ought to look after one another. Here's the sad thing. The devil's so brilliant, he comes in and he causes division in the family and next thing you know, we've got our swords drawn on each other. No. Hey, we don't do that. You know the old rule. I went to public school for several years, you know. I can talk about my family, but you can't, right? Mama jokes and all of that, you know, Uh, but you can't do that. Why? Because that's my family. I can talk about my family. You can't, all right? We defend family. That's what we ought to do. As a church body, we defend family. That's an active relationship. You go on and read Nehemiah 4, it says this, be not afraid of them. Remember the Lord, which is great and terrible, and fight for your brethren, your sons, and your daughters, and your wives, and your houses. What did he say? Fight for your family. Fight for your family. Can I tell you, in our family, there ain't nary a one of us perfect. I'm not sure how you spell that, but it's the truth. We're a southern family, right? Nary's a word. None of us are perfect. All of us have problems. All of us can be offensive at times. All of us can. But we're family. And I promise you, the tie that binds us together is far, far greater. When I say blood's thicker than water, hey, this is the blood of Christ that was shed for us that made us part of the family of God. And there's nothing tonight, nothing tonight. Listen, we ought to be willing to divide the family overnight. You say, what's going on? Preacher must know something. No, no, no. This is preventative tonight. A family is an active relationship. We can't always pick the members of our family, can we? We all have those weird relatives. You show up at the family reunion, you're thinking, man, you think you have the Walton family, right? That Norman Rockwell painting of the family, you think you got that. And you get to your family reunion, you remember, oh yeah, I forgot about that guy. (laughs) And, And then you're asking your spouse, is there any way that you can legally kick somebody out of your family? You know, because other than than that one... No, folks, can I tell you something? We might be the one that gets voted out. If you could do it. Matter of fact, if if anybody does the vote now, it ought to be God. And the Bible says he died for all men. He offered that free gift of salvation through Jesus Christ to all men that would be part of the family of God and be called sons of God. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 26, the Bible talks about this member of the family that we are and whether one member suffer. All the members suffer. I love this next two words with it. With it. One member suffers. Think about the members of this body of believers. All members suffer with it. That's not at a distance, that's with them. Whether they're down in the clay, in the mire of sin, we, we go, as the Bible says, what did it say? We just read it a moment ago. Verse 1, if a man be overtaken in the fall, he would your spiritual restore such a one. That's what family does. I don't know how many times I've gotten my truck stuck. First truck, vehicle's an 86 F-150. Still got it over the camp, just hadn't drove it in forever. And boy, I got that thing stuck so many times. Call my dad. Dad, I got stuck again. Dad came out there with a the tractor. Or dad came out with his truck. Or Dad came out with a bobcat, and he pulled me out. Well, that's what family does. And we get stuck in the mud, the clay. We go pull them out. Why? That's what family does. may not be what relatives do. But that's what family does. Number one, what is family? Family is an active relationship. Benjamin Franklin made this comment. We've said it before. Made this comment at the signing of the Declaration of Independence. He says, we must all hang together, or most assuredly, we shall all hang separately. Boy, I tell you, if there was ever time the church needed to hang together, it's right now. As a matter of fact, there's other people that need to be a part of this family, but they need to be a part of an active relationship. So number one, what is a family? It's an active relationship. Number two, watch what it says. As we therefore have opportunity, let us do good. That's an active relationship in our family unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. So it says to do good, but then it says especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Not are we only to do good, the Bible shows us that we have an active relationship that goes above and beyond a regular relationship. Do good to all men, but especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Number two, notice that a family is an invested relationship. Not only am I active, but it's an invested relationship. And here's what Paul's making clear. He says, the family of God bears a particular responsibility to one another. Is that not what the word especially means? The family of God, we bear a particular responsibility to one another. He says, especially those that are the household of faith. Now, can I tell you what the difference in a casual relationship and a committed relationship is? All right? A casual relationship is what you have with a relative. A committed relationship is what you have with family. Can I tell you the difference between a casual and a committed relationship? Cost. Cost. A causal relationship is one that you're not investing in. It's just there by chance. But a committed relationship is one that you're investing yourself, your time, your resources in, and you're doing it by choice. You're investing it, especially of the household of faith. I'll give an example. I love when the Bible bears out the Bible, don't you? First rule of hermeneutics. John 3:16, the Bible says, For God so loved, that's relationship. Correct me. For God so loved, that's a relationship. But wait a minute, what does it go on to say? That he gave his only begotten son. That's cost. Yeah. That's committed relationship. That's not just relative, that's family. Christ was willing to give himself. God was willing to invest his son in order to have a committed relationship with me. And that's the type of relationship we should have with each other. A relationship, especially those of the household of faith, where we have invested in it personally. Why? Why? He did that, that we might become the sons of God. Family of faith must be willing to go above and beyond to maintain closeness in our household. Now, I want to I turn here with me real quick. I'll give you this, and the last point is pretty quick. we am going to go down the list. Genesis 14, I want you to turn there with me right quick, if you don't mind. Genesis 14, I want to show you something about a family relationship, man. And uh, you're going to be so excited to read about this one because I bet you've gone through something like this in your family as well. <clears throat> Genesis chapter 14 and um, let me just give you some of the backstory here of what's going on, okay? Just for the sake of time. This is chapter 14. We are reading about Chedorlaomer. okay? Now, it's kind of sad that there's a bad guy here whose name is Cheddar because I like cheese. It's a sad thing to equate that together. But Chedorlaomer, he has invaded Sodom. And during this time of this conquest, he has kidnapped Lot, okay? Can I just throw this in there? Freebie has nothing to do with the message. If he wasn't there, he couldn't have got kidnapped. Throw that out there. All right? Stay away from Sodom. You'll never get kidnapped in Sodom, but that's for a later date. So here's Lot. Lot's been kidnapped. Watch, if you will, down to chapter 14. Uh, Let's pick up at verse 14. When Abram heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his trained servants, born in his own house, 318, and pursued them unto Dan. Now, Here's Abram. You know, got that family member there. Always getting into trouble. I mean, Lot always needed bailing out. But watch what he did. No questions asked. The Bible says he armed his trained servants. Now, where did the servants come from? They were his. Born in his own household. What's happening? Abram's investing his own house. His own. Why? Because that's family. That's family. Do you know what's amazing? I don't see here where he says, you shouldn't have been there in the first place. Isn't that what we're guilty of? Well, I'd help them, but good grief. They knew better. You know, every time we sin, we knew better. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Why? Because he wanted me to become the sons of God. So here we have Abram going above and beyond for his family. The problem is oftentimes we don't want a relationship that's going to cost us anything. That's a relationship that's more relative than family. The Bible says we are a family here. We are a family of faith, the household of faith, and we ought to be willing to invest our time in one another. Hey, that's one of the greatest resources you can give people, by the way. You're thinking, yep, we're going to take a special offering for a family tonight. No, we're not. No, we're not. The greatest thing you can invest with some of our people at Central is your time. Take some time to get to know them. You never know, you might have an experience that you've already gone through that they're going through and man, you could be a blessing to them. You could help get them out of the kidnapping situation they're in. Maybe they've been taken in something and you could help them, but we're not, we don't, hey, I gotta go. I mean, hey, it's Sunday night football. I gotta get out of here. I mean, I gotta go get something to eat. I have to work tomorrow. Okay, then all we'll have is relationships here rather than be a family at Central Baptist Church. So we've got to be willing what? To invest in one another. That's what a family does. We're out in California. I got to speak with Brother Jerry Furso, one of the great soul winners that I have ever met in my life. And uh, Brother Furso has a heart for souls. Boy, he has a heart for souls. And I'm sitting talking to Brother Furso, and I said, Brother Furso, what is the most you've ever gone to someone's house to try to get them in church? He said, oh, man, I don't know. He says, I know there's just one house. He said, I, I quit counting, but I remember it was 52 times. 52 times before they ever came to church. He said, I looked up on Easter Sunday morning. They're sitting right over here on this side of the church. I walked up and put my arm around. I'm so glad to see you. He says, well, I'm here because of you. You didn't give up. That Easter Sunday morning, his, uh, the husband got saved, the wife got saved, and the teenage daughter got saved 52 times. What an investment for someone to be part of the family. Now, folks, we ought to be willing to invest of ourselves, give of ourselves in order to have the kind of family relationship that we ought to have. I'll give you this and I'll give you the last point. David in 1 Samuel 30, one of my favorite really accounts where Ziklag's been burned, the family's been carried away, David is is being talked about being stoned by his own men. The Bible says he encouraged himself in the Lord. David goes to God and says, God, what do I do? God says, pursue and go get them. And David had all of his men mount up. Can you imagine the fire burning in those men's hearts to go rescue their family? I think there's something probably in all of us men, it hasn't died in me yet, and maybe I hope it never does, that everybody wants to have their Rambo day at least once in their life, where you get to do something Rambo-ish, Right? Just here we go, here we go, this is it. I think David jumped on that camel or that donkey, whatever he was riding on, and man, I bet you he didn't spare that camel the least. Come on. Why, he's going after his family. Yes. You got my family, and I'm coming after my family. That's the kind of family we ought to be here. Yes. That we see somebody struggling, we see somebody going through a tough time, we don't stand off and wonder what they did. We don't stand off and wonder, huh, yeah, well, they had that coming, not at all. Not at all. We're family here. We go after them. We go after them. I want to show you what the Bible says. I want to give you the hows right quickly. How do we do that? That's number three tonight. How to do good in our family relationships is the last thing. We go back to Galatians 6. What does it say? Verse 10. The Bible says, do good unto all men. I want to show you how to do good tonight. Just a few things before we close. Look at chapter 5, verse 13. For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. That means we have liberty now that we're saved. Sin no longer has dominion over us. We're saved. We're going to heaven. We can't lose it. Watch what it says. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. Can I tell you, it would do good for us tonight to learn to love one another as family like that. We'd be doing good. If we could learn to love people, to serve them, that verse 13 is talking about the example you are to your family. It says just because you're saved and just because you have liberty, the Bible says don't use that as an occasion of the flesh, but by love, serve one another, it would do good for us to learn how to love one another like that. You know, I've talked to several of you that have been here a while and uh, asked you your story a little bit how you got saved and how you got to Central and what kept you here so long. And one of the things that I've heard from several of you is that you got saved, came to church, and one of the older families took you under their wing and helped disciple you and grow you in the Lord. Man, that's the kind of love we should have one for another. We take people under our wing and we cultivate them. We invest in them. We try to grow them. Why? We want them to be here. We want them to be able to be rooted and planted in the will and the word of God. Keep reading. Keep reading. We look down, verse number 14. The was says, for all the laws fulfilled in one word, even this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. We would do good to learn to serve and to love one another. You know, Paul told the church at Ephesus, Ephesians 1.16, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. One of the greatest things we can do for the family here is to pray for one another. That we pray for one another. I'll tell you, I look back at COVID and all that we went through, boy, you're talking about a learning curve, a baptism by fire for a new pastor going through that, and there were times people were mad at me, I didn't even know them yet, you know, I was still kind of new here, and we were going through all of that, and boy, tough, tough days, tough decisions, trying to figure everything out in the middle of all that, and I remember there was one day I, before I ever left the house in my prayer time, I told the Lord, I said, Lord, I'd love some good news today, you know. I'd love to just be loved on, hugged a little bit. I just told the Lord, no joke, no joke. Heard a knock at the door that morning. Miss Pam was at her desk. Somebody comes in the door, totally unsuspecting member, totally, never would have expected this. It says, Pastor, I'm here to pray with you. I said, okay, why? Just because the Lord told me to. And they knelt down and they prayed with me. And I cannot tell you what that did for me that day. Man, it was good. Somebody loved on me when I needed to be loved on. You know what that makes me want to do? i got to do better about loving on people when they need loving on too. We can't just be a vacuum of all the love. Hey, we got to make sure that we're going out and reflecting that love. Loving on people going through a tough time. What does it say, chapter 6, verse 1? Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, he would your spiritual restore such a one. Can I tell you, you do good to help restore some folks. Go to them. You keep reading. Boy, there's so many. We won't take the time to go through all of these. Verse 2, bear you one another's burdens. We do good to be there for one another. I gotta tell you something? You don't have to have the, all the answers. I don't. But boy, one of, the, one of the most blessed things you give people is your time. Just be there with them. I don't have the answer. I don't know what to do. But I want you to know I'm here for you. I want to help carry this. I want to carry this in prayer. Hey, could I I go get you some chicken or something? That way, that's one less thing you have to do, bearing one another's burdens. If you've ever been the beneficiary of someone that helped carry your burden, there's nothing in the world like it. Burden bearers. That's what family does. We're a family, and we've got to learn to function that way. One of the things we're going to start with next Sunday, next Sunday, I'm going to start introducing our church to our church. He said, what for? Well, I'll tell you. I have found out that some of you don't know some of you. Truth. I'll be talking with some of you about somebody that's been here for 10 years. i say, who? Like, They've been here 10 years. They're part of our family, you know? They help watch your children back here. Huh? I don't know them. Here's what I'm going to do. Starting next Sunday, uh, I, by the way, I'm not going to just pull you randomly out of the crowd. Some of you are like, not coming next Sunday, okay? Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to contact you, some of you this week, and we're going to start scheduling some of you throughout the next few Sundays. We're only going to do it on Sundays because I want the big crowd to hear that everybody gets to know everybody. Uh, and I'm going to clear this with you along ahead of time. And I'm going to ask you to condense your uh, your testimony here at Central down to two years. How long you've been here? Who your family? And I'm going to have you come up. I'm going to have the men come up uh, that want to, and if you don't want to, I'll just introduce you. But the men that come up during our offering time. And I'm going to have the men of that family pray for our offering. But I'm going to introduce our church to you because I've learned that not everybody knows everybody. Now, don't panic. If you don't want to pray, I'm not going to make you pray. But I want to introduce our church to our church. Why? Because at the very least, family knows family. If we're going to serve together and bear one another's burdens, wouldn't it be good if we, if we knew each other and got to know each other? I believe that's what God would have us to do. So tonight, it's very, very simple. Verse number 10, the Bible says we are part of a family, a household of faith. What is a family? Well, a family is very simple. It's an active relationship. We are doing good. Now, in order to do good, you've got to take the time to get to know them and understand the needs. Number two, what's a family? A family is an invested relationship. A family is going to cost you your time. How do we do good? Just read Galatians chapter 5, Galatians chapter 6. Now, folks, as our family grows... I hope that we continue to bring folks in, met new people this morning. God always has visitors here in our service. As our church family grows, let's make sure we stay a family, amen, not just a bunch of relatives. And oh, what a blessing it'll be that as, hey, your day comes where you're bearing a burden that that somebody steps up and says, hey, could I help you with that? Can I pray with you about that? Hey, you know what? I don't know you very well. That's a great way to get to know people right there. Oh, hey, I don't know you. I've been here a while, and I just kind of set in my spot. Uh, throughout the next few weeks, we're going to have some how-tos and how do we can do that, especially when we have visitors. But tonight, here's what I want you to pray about. I want you to pray about what kind of family member you are and what kind of family member you need to be. Okay? I'll be honest with you. Right off the bat tonight, I know there's some areas I need to work on as pastor. Uh, there's some things I want to do better. Been telling my wife ever since we got home a few weeks ago, uh, I said, let's do better. Let's do better. Let's strive to be better. And one of the best areas we can do that is right here in our church family. Amen? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed.